1: presented transcribed as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. Many people have tried to figure out why America has become so great a nation in so short a time. You might sum it up in three words. Americans are independent. We like to stand on our own feet, make our own way, be self-supporting. That desire is the backbone of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Five millions of us are members of this society of our own free will because we want both security and independence. The Equitable Society is represented from coast to coast by more than 8,000 representatives whose purpose it is to help you enjoy this feeling of security. In just 13 minutes... We'd like to tell you how these men may help you, too. Tonight, the subject of our FBI file, Interstate theft. It's titled, The Fastball Frame-Up.
2: In their investigations into crime throughout the country, special agents of your FBI meet men and women from every walk of life, for crime, either directly or indirectly, touches the lives of every person. The case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation you are about to hear dramatized was chosen not only for the lesson it teaches, but also because its background is timely. It concerns a baseball player. A player whose story could be anyone's. Tonight's file opens in a small southwestern city. A few hundred fans are sitting in a dilapidated wooden grandstand watching the local semi-pro team warm up. The manager of the team, a leather-faced man in his middle 30s, wearing a faded uniform a few sizes too small, finishes hitting fungos to the outfield and is walking back to the bench.
3: Scotty! You, Scotty! Huh? Over here! Hey, turkey neck! (laughs) How are you? Never mind that turkey neck. You're not talking to the new chief scout. For who? The Sox. Uh, you couldn't (laughs) find a ball player in Yankee Stadium. Hey, you look great, Steve. You do, Scotty. Hey, I read where the Sox look pretty good. Uh, we can use a little more pitching. (laughs) Who can't? Hey, Rube! Go warm up Miller. Go. Got anybody worth looking at? Nah. These guys are a bunch of plumbers. You wouldn't con an old room, would you? Well, look at them. They all got two left feet.
4: Yeah. Well, I'll come here in first
3: place. Now, Steve, you know about semi-pro ball. One good pitcher can carry you. You got one? Well, I got a left-hander named Miller. He throws pretty hard.
4: Yeah. Any control?
3: Yeah. And good junk. But forget about him. What? You don't want to go up. I told him I could get him a job in organized ball, but he brushed it off.
4: Well, what does he drag down?
3: 25 a game when he pitches. That's twice a week.
4: Well, you don't have to be crazy if you're a left-hander, but I guess it helps.
3: Yeah. Come on, come on, little puppy out there.
4: Hey, 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 that guy's throwing behind first base. Oh, that's Miller. He flips his glove hand just like the guy we had last year, a guy named Rocky Brown. He won 12 for us up to July and disappeared. Call him over, will you, Scotty? Sure.
3: It won't do you any good. Hey, Miller! Miller, come on over. Come on, come on, come on, hurry
4: up. How's he handle? Oh, easy. No trouble at all. Hey, he's got a game leg.
3: Yeah, he's working with a blister on his foot. Down here it's play or no pay.
4: My kid's name's not Miller. What?
5: You want me,
6: Scotty?
4: Hello, Rocky.
5: My name's Lewis Miller.
4: You ever seen me before?
5: Come back. Can't say as I did.
4: You ever hear of a guy named Rocky Brown? Mm-hmm. Don't think so. Mm. Well, I guess I must have made a mistake, Miller. I'm sorry.
3: Uh, Steve's a scout. He thinks he might be interested in you.
5: Thanks, but I like it fine right here.
4: I might get you a good bonus
3: for signing.
5: No, thanks. Uh, Scotty, my arm's cooling off. Okay.
3: Start throwing again. Right. Lock him up there, will you? Well, Steve still think he's the other guy? I
4: don't think so, Mike. I know it. All
6: right, all
3: right. Come on, take two. No, no, Steve. Shovel the ball a second. You got no time to straighten up and throw? Shovel it. Okay, Dutch, hit another one down there. Hi, Scotty. Oh, hello, Steve. Hi. I
4: talked to the office last night, and they don't care what name Brown's using. They want him. So do I.
3: I can't even find him. Huh? He took off. For where? I wish I knew. Dutch over there was his roomie. When he got back to Borden house last night, the kid was packing. What's that, bro, will you? Stop it like a told you. Hey, did you say anything about where he was going? No, he told Dutch he had to leave because somebody recognized him. Hmm. I wonder what he's running away from. Dutch filled me in on that, too. The FBI's looking for him. What? He told Dutch about getting mixed up in something back east. Having to leave town quick.
4: Did you say what kind of deal this was?
3: No, but Dutch thinks he remembers something about July the 3rd.
4: That's the night Rocky jumped our club.
3: Well,
4: we both blew a picture. Yeah. Don't you hear anything, Scotty? Call me collect. Steve Lamar? Yeah.
7: Jim Taylor, the
4: FBI. Oh, sure, sure. I remember. You worked out with us a couple of times last year. That's isn't... right. You long? Yeah. Come on, sit down, sir. Thanks.
7: Been out on business? Yeah, taking inventory on pictures.
4: huh? Think the Sox can win this year?
7: Yeah,
4: we can all win in April.
7: <laughs> How's that new catcher, Steve?
4: Yeah. Uh, Good hit, no throw. Guys on crutches will be stealing. What are you doing out in this part of the country? Testifying
7: in a case we had down in Waterville.
4: Didn't go there looking for anybody. Fugitive, maybe? No, why? Well, I heard about somebody you're looking for. Do you remember a pitcher we had last year named Rocky Brown? Yeah. Yeah, I
7: saw him pitch his no-hitter on July 3rd. mm
4: mm-hmm. Well, and you probably remember he disappeared that night. Yeah. Well, I ran into him pitching for a semi-pro club in Waterville. I spoke to him, and last night he disappeared again.
7: How's he connected to the fugitive?
4: He is a fugitive. What? He told his roommate on the Waterville Club that the FBI was looking for him because of something that happened on July 3rd.
7: Steve, I think I'd have heard about it if we wanted him. Can you check? Sure. Sure, I'll take a look at our files when we get back. Jim, here's that roster you wanted from last July 3rd. Oh, thanks, Ken. Every case been cleaned up? All but three. This bank burglary. Somebody broke into the bank through the skylight at 9.15 p.m. That couldn't have been Brown. I saw him pitch that night. Well, there's the armed robbery of the movie theater. How'd we get in on that one? Mm, The cashier was shot, and the bullet matched one in our unidentified ammunition file. Mm -hmm. Same gun was used in a robbery in Montana last March 20th. 20th. Well, let's Brown out of that job, too. Last March 20th, he was in training camp for the Sox. Well, the only other unsolved case is this one. What's yes, that? A hit-and-run accident involving a reckless driver in a car stolen back east. Huh? A witness reported it to the police and gave them the license number. They called us. The number was in our files. You review the case? Yeah. Let's see. The witness saw the driver get out and examine the victim. Then he got back into his car and drove off. This witness could he describe the driver? Vaguely tall, wore dark clothes. How about physical evidence? Now let's see. Paint chips found in the victim's clothes, broken headlight glass, and a chromium cigarette case. Mm-hmm. A case belonged to the victim. I don't think so. The prints didn't match his, and neither did the initials engraved on it. You got the initials there? Uh, yeah, R.B. That could be Brown. Where are those prints now, Ken? We've got photographs of them in the file. Well, I better get a set. Washington couldn't make an ident off them. Well, if Steve Lamar can get me a set of Rocky Browns, we may be able to make that ident this afternoon.
4: Come in, Jim.
7: How's the game going, Steve?
4: Oh, our guys have hit three homers, and we're still two runs behind Huh? Yeah. Look out that window, you can see the whole field.
7: Who's pitching for the Sox?
4: Everybody so far but the bat boy. Uh.
7: Well, Steve, I looked up our files on last July 3rd. Uh,
4: did you find anything on Rocky?
7: Well, there's one possible crime he might have been connected with. Uh-huh. It's involving a stolen car. We're interested in it. Oh? Uh-huh. May be able to tell a little more if you've got a set of Brown's fingerprints.
4: I'm afraid we haven't. Was he ever in the service? He tried to enlist, but they turned him down. Uh Hey, they'd have his fingerprints at the draft board, huh?
7: No, Steve, they don't take them until you're actually inducted.
4: Uh Well, then I wouldn't know where to look.
6: Hey, look. How
4: about that, man? We tied it up, huh? Steve, did the
7: club ever try to find Brown?
4: Yeah, they spent a couple of thousand dollars on private detectives.
7: Oh, what'd they have to say?
4: I got their report here. (laughs) Face it. see. Uh, they traced Rocky from the ballpark that night to a steakhouse downtown. And Rocky met a girl and they joined a man who came in later. Uh-huh. And the three of them had dinner together and left. That's the last entry.
7: Who was the man they met?
4: Detectives couldn't find out.
7: How about the girl?
4: Her name's Betty Holmes. We just met her the night before at the ballgame.
7: Got her address uh,
4: there? 35 Wentworth Boulevard.
7: Oof, wentworth went word. Okay, thanks, Steve. I'll go see you I'd like to speak to Miss Betty Holmes, please. That's me. I'm Special Agent Taylor of the FBI. Here are my credentials. Oh? I'd like to ask you a few questions, if I may. Okay. You know a baseball player named Rocky Brown. Yeah. I understand you had dinner with him last uh, July third.
0: Well, I went out with him once, but I don't know what night it was. Are you going to ask a lot of questions? Mm,
7: Really, don't know
6: yet.
0: Well, you better come in then. Thanks. I don't want to stand any more than I have to. I work at the Mayfair, and every time they have a sale, I wind up with no feet. You can sit there. Thanks.
7: Miss Holmes, can you remember the evening you spent with Rocky Brown? Sure. Where'd you go?
0: Some steak place. I remember it was this other fellow's birthday.
7: This uh, other fellow, who was he?
0: A friend of Rocky's. We met him at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. What was his name? I don't know. Is he a ball player? No, he was a little fat, so...
7: Where'd you go after dinner?
0: We drove Rocky's friend home. And then? Rocky took me home. Mm-hmm.
7: Whose car was Rocky driving?
0: Yes, I guess. He said he only had it a couple of days.
7: On the way home, do you
0: recall hitting anything? No. I don't remember things good, but I remember that. why do you ask?
7: Well, there's a possibility Brown was involved in a hit-and-run accident on that
0: night. Maybe on his way home, but not while he was with me. What time was the accident?
7: Just after midnight.
0: Well, you see, it's like I said. It must have been after he left me because I got home at 25 after 11. How do you remember so exactly? I looked at my watch. It keeps perfect time. What was so important about the time? Nothing.
7: And you just said you don't have a very good memory, yet you looked at your watch once, and now almost a year later you remember what time it was.
0: Well, I... I... Uh...
7: The story you told me, is it the truth?
0: Look, I don't want to get anybody into trouble. Miss
7: Holmes, a man was killed that night on the bridge. If you know the driver of the car that hit him, it's your duty to tell me. Do you know?
0: Yes. Who was it? Rocky Brown. <laughs>
1: return in just a moment to tonight's case from the official files of your FBI. Right now, let's learn why Edgar Madden, a member of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States, decided to become a policyholder in the Equitable Society.
7: Well, it all started when I heard an announcement on this program. It described a special kind of life insurance that interested me very much. I wanted to know more about it, so I telephoned my local equitable representative. Frankly, Mr. Keating, life insurance was pretty much Greek to me until I met my equitable agent. He made it as clear as day. He gave me all the facts, told me what I wanted to know, and then he let me make up
1: my own mind. Well, that's what you can expect from equitable men, Mr. Madden. They are, first of all, insurance men. They're trained to give you the facts, to present you the kind of policy that suits your needs and fits your present income, then leave it up to you to make up your mind. That way, they know you'll be satisfied. Well, I am satisfied. I like to do business with a man that knows his business. Well, that's certainly true of equitable representatives. They're all specially trained and take special courses that equip them with a detailed knowledge of all forms of life insurance protection. Backing them up is the equitable home office staff of specialists, actuaries, economists, technicians, all at your service. And that's the kind of service offered to every member and prospective member. To all our listeners, may I say, you owe it to yourself and your family to have the right kind of insurance protection. If you want to know how to enjoy this kind of future security and peace of mind, ask the man who knows best how to help you without any obligation to you. Consult your local telephone directory for the number of your local equitable representative. Or write the Equitable Society care of this station. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, The Fastball Frame-Up.
2: Flight from possible punishment is a natural human reaction. No normal person, whether he be child or adult, enjoys paying a penalty for breaking a code. The fact that it is natural does not, however, make it right or wise. And if there are any listeners to this program who have any knowledge about a fugitive, your FBI asks them to remember that no one can hide forever because law enforcement officers never stop searching. One criminal was apprehended by your FBI 23 years after his escape from custody. What that man learned, what every fugitive learns, is something every schoolboy is taught. The truth will out. Tonight's FBI file continues at the ballpark in Waterville. Agent Taylor has just introduced himself and is standing behind the wire backstop with manager Mike Scott during batting practice. Have you heard from Brown? Not a
3: word. Any of your ball players? Careful what you call them. Marty, take a cut. You can't hit what you don't swing at. Scott,
7: any of your players heard from Brown?
3: He hasn't even gotten in touch with his girl. Oh, he had a girl here? Mm Mm-hmm. I spoke to her yesterday. For all she knows, he could be dead. What's her name? Marty, get out in front of the ball. Pull it. Take your full cut. I hate to do this to you, Mr. Taylor, but I go to sleep nights watching these guys pop up with the bases loaded. That's okay, I understand. If you'll just tell me Brown's girl's name, I'll be through asking questions. Uh, Mary Kemper. Where does she live? The far side of the gas station, across the ballpark. Second floor in the back. Okay.
7: Thanks, Mr. Scott.
3: We're playing later. Yeah, I know. If you get through talking to the girls soon and you really like good baseball, take my tip. Go see a movie.
8: Sit down, Mr. Taylor. Thanks. I. I suppose you hear about Rocky.
7: You knew who he was.
8: When we decided to get married, he told me the whole story.
7: Oh? Any idea where he might have gone?
8: If I did, I'd go to him. And this time I'd convince him. Of what? Well, there must be some way to prove he's innocent. Is he? Of course. He wasn't driving the car when it hit that man.
7: Miss Kemper. Exactly what did he tell you about the accident?
8: Well, he went out with a girl last July 3rd. They went to some restaurant and met a friend of hers.
7: Of the girls? Mm
8: -hmm. Uh Mm-hmm. Rocky didn't have a car, so, so the friend offered to drive them home. I see. Well, on the way to the girl's house, the car hit a man.
7: And who was driving?
8: This girl's friend. He got out to see how bad the man was hurt, and he was dead. The friend got back into the car, and and, and the three of them kept going.
7: If Rocky wasn't driving, why'd you run away?
8: This man said if the police questioned him, he'd, he'd swear Rocky was driving when it happened. And then the girl said she'd tell the same story. Rocky knew he didn't have a chance with two against one, so he agreed not to say anything. And? He walked around all that night. The more he thought about it, the worse it got. Then when the morning papers came out... They told about the car being stolen and the FBI looking for the driver. That's when he decided the only thing he could do was run away.
7: Did he mention this man's name?
8: He didn't remember it.
7: The girl tells quite a different story about the accident.
8: Look, what can I say to make you believe Rocky's telling the truth?
7: Nothing, Miss Kemper. The only thing that'll decide whether Brown's innocent or guilty is proof. Agent Ramsey. Ken, this is Jim. I've just seen Rocky Brown's girl. She claims he's innocent. He claims the same thing. What? Brown walked in here about 15 minutes ago and surrendered. <laughs> you say what made him do it after all this time? He thinks there's some way we can prove he wasn't driving the car. How about the fingerprints on that cigarette case? Well, no, we just took a set of Brown's prints. I looked at them, wasn't sure whether they matched the ones in the case, so I sent the whole thing to the lab. Where's Brown now, Ken?
4: Here at the office. No.
7: If I can get on the next plane,
6: I'll
7: see you tonight. Brown, well, this is Agent Taylor. Now, how'd it do? Hello, Brian.
6: Seems like
5: I've seen you someplace.
7: Yeah, I worked out with the Sox a few times last year.
5: Yeah, Yeah, you took a turn while I was pitching batting practice one day. That's right. Yeah, I, I remember now. I, I fooled you with a change of pace. <laughs>
7: Brown, we've got some good news for you. Our lab says those aren't your prints on the cigarette case.
5: Oh, thank you.
7: This solves your problem, but not ours. We've still got to find the man who was driving that car. Brown, what can you tell us about that man?
5: Mm, afraid nothing much.
7: Can you remember his first name?
5: Oh, I've been racking my brain for it. But I just can't seem to bring it back.
7: Well, if you don't mind my asking, how can you remember a pitch you fooled me with in batting practice and
5: forget an important thing like this man's name? Nah, no, it's easy remembering what a fella can't hit.
4: Do you recall what he looked like?
5: Yeah, kind of like me. Tall and skinny.
4: Miss Holmes described him as
7: short and fat.
5: No, I can't say as I'd go much on what she says.
7: They mentioned what business he was in? No. What no. did they talk about?
5: Well, mostly how he used to live here. That's how come they knew each other. Uh-huh.
7: Can you recall the names of any mutual friends they mentioned?
5: Mm, yeah, there they, they, they was some teacher, I think.
7: They went to school together?
5: Uh-huh. Which one? High school.
7: They say what high school? Mm, no, no. Well, oh, Ken, I think we may have enough to start with. Ken, there's no school listed on Miss Holmes' employment record. I didn't want to ask her. No, where to now? Let's check high schools near the girl's house.
6: Call in car 42.
7: This is car 42. The Board of Education called.
6: Uh, Miss Elizabeth Holmes graduated from Central High School in 1945.
7: Thank you. Ken, let's head for Central High. Rocky, we've got a picture here of the high school class that Miss Holmes graduated with. like to have you take a look at it. Glad to. Here.
5: Is that him? Yep.
7: All right, Ken, let's try and find out who he is. His name's Richard Bentley. R.B., the right initials. They know where he lives? Yeah, Providence. Well, those trains run on the hour. Come on, we can still make the next one.
3: Ball in there, Don't walk him Come on, Rock Get that third out Come on, boy One more out for the old ball hi, game you, Let's go Hi Oh, hi, Steve
4: well, Rocky's one out away from a win Yeah, I know Still like to see him get this one Yeah, uh, he's tired He's not used to going nine heats Against this kind of club
6: Oh, no, Rock
4: Oh, he walked in.
7: That's the tying and run Sitting there on that base Yeah, here comes Frank Out of the dugout Don't oh, yank
4: him, Frank Let him finish oh, No, I think he just wants To give Rocky a breather
7: I sure hope so
4: Hey, how'd you find that
7: other guy? How much did Rocky fill you in on?
4: Well, up to where he picked the guy out on that picture.
7: Well, once Rocky identified the man's picture, we went to the school, got his name from a teacher who remembered him, and knew that he'd moved to Providence. Hey, yeah, he's leaving Rocky in.
4: Well, you must have been pretty surprised when you walked in,
7: huh? We didn't go to see him right away.
4: Oh, no, why not?
7: Well, we wanted some proof, Steve, so we checked the real estate records. Found Bentley owned the farm out in the suburbs.
4: Oh, what'd that prove?
7: We went out there and found that stolen car in the barn. We followed him into a cafeteria one day and got the drinking glass of yours. Sent it on to the FBI lab. Come
3: on,
6: Rocky, get in there, boys! That's one, Rock! Of the Come board!
4: Come on! Pour it in, Rocky! Come on! Hey, Taylor, drop that other shoe. What? The last you told me, you sent that stuff to your lab.
7: Oh. Well, his fingerprints match the ones in that cigarette case.
3: That's two! One it go, Rocky, one it go!
7: That definitely placed Bentley at the accident.
3: Oh, come on, Rock. Let's uh, go.
4: Guess that's all the proof you needed, huh?
7: Yeah. When we showed him the lab reports, why well, he signed a full confession. That a boy, Rocky.
6: Oh! <laughs>
2: Richard Bentley was turned over to state authorities and after trial was found guilty of manslaughter. He was sentenced to a term in a state penitentiary. Tonight you saw an example of callous indifference toward another human being by two people who were not professional criminals, but who by their conspiracy became lawbreakers. You also heard Agent Taylor describe something of much greater importance to you. And that was the infinite care with which Agents Taylor and Ramsey collected evidence once they arrived at the city where the hit-and-run driver lived. Similar care is taken in every case by the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the collecting of evidence, for that is the job of your FBI, and the only job. Your FBI operates exclusively as a fact-finding agency. It does not find any person innocent or guilty. It does not convict or acquit. It merely collects the available facts and allows justice to take its natural course, as it did in this case, as it always does.
1: It is better to have freedom than security. But there is one way that you can enjoy both. Get the right kind of insurance protection for yourself and your family. Protection that is within the reach of your present income. There are 8,000 Equitable Society representatives who are ready to advise you at any time, without any obligation, how to select the insurance that's right for you and your family. Consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local Equitable Life Assurance Society representative.
2: Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Its subject, impersonation. Its
1: title, The Masquerader. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons, living or dead, is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner, the author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson, and Special Agent Taylor was played by Stacey Harris. Others in the cast were Michael Ann Barrett, J.C. Flippen, Charles Maxwell, Barney Phillips, Vicki Raff, and Eddie Ryan. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. And inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time, when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Masquerader on This Is Your FBI. Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzy and Harriet come your way next. This program came to you from Hollywood.
6: America is sold on ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.